after year. One of the, one of the things that, that, that I am so excited about with our church as I've gotten to know so many of you is how many amazing people God has sent our way. He has sent so many amazing people our way. And my hope is you can seize opportunities like this to get to know each other. There are some great people. And, and if you can just muster up that courage to, to go across you know, the, the pavilion and just say hi to somebody, uh, hopefully over time you'll be able to, to get to know some of these, these great folks who are making this their church home. I'm also glad that you're here for the start of a new series. For those of you who've been with us for the last five weeks, we've been looking at a series on faith. And, and in, if you were to boil it all down, what we were looking at is really two things. That God is real and that the Bible is true. That's where we've been for the last five weeks. Uh, well, now I'm excited because now we're going to be building on that. Because if the Bible is true, if God is real, then what he says in his word is that he speaks to his people. And that's what we're going to press into now. We have a brand new series starting today called Hearing God. And I'm glad you're here for this. Uh, let's dive right in. Uh, if you have one of those worship folders when you, you came in, inside there should be a green slip. Why don't you pull this out, and I encourage you to write up the top here, write down, God once spoke to his people. Let's talk about that a little bit. If God is real, if the Bible is true, then this is a reality, that God once spoke to his people. And when God spoke, one of the interesting things is you look at the Bible and he spoke a whole lot of different ways. Sometimes he spoke in an audible voice, one that you could literally hear with your ears. Sometimes he spoke through signs and wonders. Sometimes he spoke with a, an inward impression. Sometimes he spoke through human voices, through his people, through his prophets. God used all kinds of different ways to communicate, sometimes using multiple ways for the same audience. Well, here's something else we see in the pages of Scripture. Not only did God speak, but this is also something we see. When God spoke, he didn't single out religious all-stars. It's fascinating to look at the Scriptures, and God didn't always speak to the people you'd expect him to speak to. In fact, sometimes the people you would expect him to speak to, he didn't talk to. He was silent towards them. Sometimes he even closed their ears. We're going to look at a really interesting thing in a, in a couple moments, kind of along those, those lines. God didn't always speak to the people everyone expected him to speak to. Sometimes he spoke to marginalized folks, the kind of people that everyone else ignored. God spoke to them. And here's an interesting one. Let's look at this. This is out of the book of Ezra, chapter 1, verse 1. Here's God speaking to a king of a nation that wasn't even part of God's covenant people. Here God is speaking to a king named Cyrus of Persia. If you've studied your history books, this is that guy, King Cyrus of Persia. So, God, the Lord stirred up, we read in Ezra 1, the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout his kingdom and also put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem. Whoever among you of all his people, let them go to Jerusalem. Look how specific that is. God spoke to a king who was not part of God's covenant people. He spoke to him, gave him a very specific message. Hey, go do this. So God speaks to people you wouldn't expect him necessarily to speak to. That's one of the things that you see in the Bible. At least that's the way it was. Here's another thing that you see as you're paging through the Bible. Something else about hearing God. When God spoke to his people, he sometimes helped them make very specific decisions. That's one of the things we see that's true about God when he spoke to his people. Sometimes what he did is he helped them with very specific uh, situations. Here's one that we'll look at. This is out of the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 14. 
uh, what's happening here is we have a, a, a figure, historical figure, confirmed outside of, of the scriptures, named David. He was ruling these, the people of God under God's leadership here at, at this period of history. And they were having all kinds of conflicts with this group called the Philistines. So here's, here's a situation where the Philistines make a raid into the territory of, of, of Israel. And David inquires of God. And God says to David, don't go up after them. Go around. Look how specific this is. Go around and come against them opposite the balsam trees. When you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, then go out to battle. For God has gone before you to strike down the army of the Philistines. And David did as God commanded, and it worked. So very specific situation. David is inquiring to God, should I go to battle? God doesn't just say, go to battle. Here's how to do it. Imagine if God still did that today. If he answered specific questions with specific answers. I mean, what, what if you had a question about the future? God, what should I do? Where should I go to school? Should I go back to school? Where should I move? Should I be looking for another job? I'm looking for another job. Where should I look? Should I get married? Is this the right person? It, I am married. I need some guidance. What should I do? Where should I go? What should I turn? What if God still answered those questions today? Wouldn't that be great? Let's continue on. As, the, as we read through the, pa the, the, the passages of Scripture, we also see when God spoke to people, not only did he help them make specific decisions, sometimes he helped them determine truth. This is related but different. Sometimes God helped his people discern truth, even when it looked like this is what God was saying. He was able to say, no, this is what I'm saying. Let's take a look at this, this account. Um, and this account follows, this is also in Chronicles, what we call Second Chronicles. This came after the account we read. This, this King David, he had a son whose name, well, he had a whole bunch of sons. But one of his sons' name was Solomon. Solomon became king after David. Then after Solomon died, the kingdom, the united kingdom, broke into two kingdoms. There was a northern kingdom of Israel, southern kingdom of Judah. Well, there was this situation where the two kings were wondering whether or not they should come together against a foe. They should join forces to go into battle together. And this is that situation. We're just going to call this guy uh, king Jay, and he's the, the, the king of Judah. King Jay said to the king of Israel, who's Ahab, and much easier to pronounce, um, said, all right, before we go to battle, let's inquire first for the word of the Lord. Then the king of Israel, Ahab, gathered the prophets together, 400 prophets, and said to them, shall we go to battle or shall I refrain? And they said, they were united in this, go up for who? God will give it into the hand of the king. God says you're going to win. 400 prophets, all in one voice, no dissension. God says you'll win. Go do it. The king of Judah, he just something wasn't sitting right. So he says, is there another prophet we can talk to? I know you got 400 all saying the same thing. But is there another prophet that, that we can talk to? And here's how it reads in Second Chronicles uh, 18, starting with verse 4. Um, he, he says, uh, or is this one I just read? Yeah, this one I just read. So he continues on. This is starting with verse 6. Is there another prophet of the Lord? Kind of implying, I'm not sure about these guys you got. Is there another prophet of the Lord of whom we may inquire? And the king of Israel says to the king of Judah, there is one man whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. 
I hate him. Why does he hate him? For he never prophesies good concerning me. There's a whole sermon right there, isn't it? How often do people do this? You, you, you want advice about something, but you don't want to listen to the person who's going to give you the good advice. You want to listen to the person who's going to say, do what you, what you want to do. Follow your heart. That's what you want to hear, right? You know, and how many times do people avoid listening to the wise counsel because they don't want to hear? I know what that person's going to say. Well, this is one of those situations. I don't, want to, I don't like that prophet. He never says anything good about us. But they sent for this guy. His name's Micaiah. They, they sent for Micaiah. And Micaiah comes in to just this, for me, hilarious situation. When he comes in, here's what's happening. This is out of 2 Chronicles 18, with, starting with verse 10. One of the prophets made for himself horns of iron and says, Thus says the Lord, with these holy horns you shall push the Syrians until they're destroyed. And all the 400 guys are like, Yes! Go with the holy horns. <laughs> and I tell you, if holy horns worked, our Vikings could use uh, some of those starting this season. But, but, but you've got 400 prophets. They're all in agreement. Some even have holy horns. And, and Micaiah, he sees things very differently. Very differently. Look what he says. He says, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord. He was sitting on his throne in the hosts of heaven, sitting at his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, remember, this is God speaking. This is going to break some paradigms right here. This is God speaking. Then God said, who will entice Ahab, the king of Israel, that he may go up and fall? Who's going to help me deceive Ahab so that he can be killed in battle? This is God. Then a spirit said, I'll do it. I will entice him. I will go out. I will put a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets. There's another sermon topic for another day. Wow. In the day, God used to help people discern truth. And when 400 people were all in agreement, prophets, 400 of these prophets were all speaking one united voice, take the holy horns, Push the enemy out. One man was able to say, no, that's not what happened. That's not how it is. Here's how it is. What if we could today be able to hear that clarity and have that confidence? And, and how greatly is it needed? You know, consider the voices that are speaking on behalf of God out there today. I mean, we've got, we've got a whole group of folks who are saying, God wants you to be rich. If you're a Christian, you should be wealthy if you're in the center of God's will. You shouldn't have health problems. You shouldn't have these kind of things. Just in faith proclaim it. There's people who are saying that's what God says. And then there's other people who are saying, no, God doesn't say that ever. God says live simply to all of us. Live simply. That's what some other people say. Who's right? Who's wrong? Is the truth neither this nor that? How do you know? You know, or, or take another situation, voting. You've got people who very strongly believe if you're a Christian, you'll vote Democrat. There's other people who feel very strongly if you're a Christian, you'll vote Republican. Or if you're a Christian, you'll vote based on this issue. If you're a Christian, nope, you'll vote based on this issue. Who do we listen to? Who's speaking for God? One of these, the other ones, neither. You know, I think of a recent issue with, um, with the, the Chick-fil-A. 
You know, there's some people who are saying, if you're a Christian, you will boycott Chick-fil-A. There's other people who would say, if you're a Christian, you'll go to Chick-fil-A day and buy chicken. Who, who, who you know, who, who's right, who's wrong? Is it that simple? You know, but people are, are speaking on behalf of God. What if, what if we could learn to discern as, as Micaiah was able to discern? When someone is speaking for God, when they're not, when they might be, when they're definitely not, how, how could we know? What if God could help us discern truth as well? Well, here's another thing that as you read through the scriptures, in addition to these, that you see, and this is the best one. Yes, it would be great if God could help us discern truth. Yes, it would be great if God could help us get answers to the questions we have. But this is even better. God was an ever-present source of comfort, strength, hope, and guidance. God wants to be more than a Google in heaven. You know? He wants to be more than, I have a question, let me Google God and get my answer. Or I'm lost, let me do a life Google map and have God help me steer out of this. God wants to do more than that. He doesn't want to just be this, this transactional thing. God's desire is to be an ever-present source of comfort, strength, hope, and guidance. If you brought your Bible this morning, I, I, I invite you to open with me to Numbers chapter 6. I want to show you a passage. Now, if you grew up in a Catholic background or a Lutheran background, these words are probably going to sound very familiar. Here's where they came from in the, in the scriptures, or at least one place where these words are used. Uh, let me read them and let's, let's comment on them and the significance of these words. Or at least in part the significance of these words. This is out of Numbers chapter 6, starting with verse 24. This wonderful blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name upon the people of Israel. My covenant people, I will bless them. How many of you have heard these words spoken? Okay. Um, I, I used to hear these every Sunday that we would attend a service. Almost every Sunday, that's how they would close the service. The pastor would stand up, and I, I can't, I don't know what, he did something with his hands. And, um, and then he would he'd say these words. And to me it was, you know, I, I just, I heard him, but I never thought about those words. Think about those words. For so many people, their experience of, of God is not one where God's attentiveness is on you. It's, 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 it's as if God either isn't looking at you or he's looking away. Looking away with anger or looking away with disgust or looking away because he doesn't care. And when I think about human relationships, especially when we're young, but this carries through till we're older, how important is it for a kid to have their parents' attention? They pull on your legs. They'll yell. They'll, they'll whatever they need to do. Sometimes they'll act out in really bad. Sometimes they'll take a punishment just so they can get your attention. I mean, I, w I was a youth worker for for a quarter of my life, and when we would get into situations where students would open up, the deepest pain that I, I that, that we saw was often when somebody, there was something going on in the family. When, when a father 
just wasn't there. Or when there was anger, or when there was abuse, or when there was profound disappointment. When the, when the parent's face was turned away from the kid. And that, that wounded them deeply. And, and this isn't just a suburban thing. This, isn't, this, is, this is a thing thing. This is a human thing. When I worked in Minneapolis, we saw it there. When I worked with these kids, a lot of whom didn't have a dad. You know, it was, they were just, I mean, they wanted your attention. They would grab, they would pull, they would sometimes take your face and put it at them. When we go down to Juarez and you're with those kids, it's, mira, 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 right? Which means what? Look at me, look at me, watch me, watch me. They, they want to have someone's face shining on them. They want to they see your, your, your face smile and light up when they look at you. That's what the scripture is talking about. Let his countenance shine on you. And so many of us have a false understanding of God. We have this understanding that either, again, that God's not even looking, he's not even interested, he doesn't even care, or that it's a look of just complete fury and disgust. Does God ever get angry? Yes. Does, is God ever disappointed? Yes. But God is more like this. God is more like, here is a baby learning to crawl. Does the father say, kid, get it right. Why can't you crawl? Not unless they're highly dysfunctional. <laughs> the, 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 the dad or the mom is looking with joy on their face. Come on, you can do it. Let's do it together. You know, and then when the kid moves from crawling to, to, to learning to toddle, the face is shining. Come on, look, they're learning to toddle. When you're learning to toddle, do you fall down a lot? Yes. Do you bump? Yes. In fact, one of the things you want to have as a new parent is a sign around your neck. I do not abuse my kid. They did this to themselves. They're learning to walk and they hit the coffee table. You know, you're falling. And are we all going to fall? Are we all going to stumble? Yes. And what God wants to do, his face is shining. He's excited. Come on. We can do this. You bear my name. We just read. You bear my name. I've given my name to you. Let's go. We can do this. When you learn to crawl, when you learn to toddle, when you learn to walk, when you learn to run at each stage, what if we could live with an awareness of God like that? When we're in a tough spot that God wants to help us, when we want direction that God wants to give it, when, we, when we're growing in an area that God's cheering us on, come on, we'll get there. Stick with me. What if that could be our experience? This is out of Isaiah 58, verse 9 and 11. It says this. And I can't think of any passage in the scripture that says this was revoked. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help and he will say, here I am. The Lord will guide you. What is the word? Continually. That's God's desire for us. Even more than giving a specific answer to a specific question even more than helping us discern truth. God's desire is to help us learn to be in a continual abiding state with him. So then, if that's the case, if that's what the scriptures say, let's move on to this next section then. Well, how do we understand a voice that isn't always audible? Okay, it would be easy if God would just, every time he spoke, it was from the clouds and it was this really low, big voice. And if that happened every time, then okay, sure, we could follow him. How, how, can, how can this even be possible? For some of you with a scientific mind, you go, this doesn't even make sense. There's nothing in my experience that backs this up. Never in my experience have it, has anyone been able to communicate with me without talking 
to me, and then all of a sudden you start to see where this goes, right? Of course people communicate to us without talking to us. In fact, you have little machines that do this all the time. A lot of us have phones or computers that aren't plugged into anything. And without any sound, without any visuals, there is a communication that's going on with this little machine that was the product of human hands. We create these little machines that can communicate without a voice. And information can go one way, information can come the other way. People were able to do this. If finite people could create a machine that could communicate without the sound of a voice, is it possible for a being that's wiser, a being that's more powerful, a being that's infinite, to be able to create beings that could also hear without hearing, that could communicate without words? Perhaps. Here's an interesting quote. This is from the world of physics. This is from the world of physics. And this guy, he's using the word today. This is decades old. He says this, today, there's a wide measure of agreement on which the side of physics is pretty much unanimous. That the stream of knowledge is heading towards a non-mechanical reality. The universe begins to look more like a great thought than a great machine. Mind no longer appears as an accidental intruder into the realm of matter. We're beginning to suspect that we ought to rather hail it as a creator and governor of the realm of matter. This is interesting. Not only do you see this coming from scientific minds, you see it in movies, you see it in, in education. Um, I, I caught a, a, a clip from Jurassic Park uh, a couple days ago. And in Jurassic Park, they, 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 there's a scene where they find these eggs, and these dinosaurs weren't supposed to be able to lay eggs, but these dinosaurs laid eggs. And the guy's line, which he repeated multiple times, nature found a way, nature found a way. And I saw that in one of my kids' books. They brought some home some book talking about animals and stuff, and this was put out by a secular uh, company. And, and the, the book basically said that too, like almost attributing a mind or an intent to this universe. It's as if this universe isn't just randomly existing. It's as if there's, there's, it's going somewhere. It's guided somehow. Now, if, if it's hard to envision this universe-wide, just think about your own body. Think about how in your own body, your, your domain, you're present in it, but you can't localize where that presence is. It's kind of everywhere. You, the presence of you, you, it, it's in your fingertips. You, you, can, you can feel. It, the, the you, you part of you is in your head with, with your thoughts. The you, you is, is coming out as you express it in words. The you part of you can pick up if you step on something sharp. You can feel that. The you part of you um, is, is kind of everywhere, but not really any one place in you. It inhabits your body, the you part of you. It can communicate with different parts all at once. It's, a, it's an amazing, amazing thing, this body we have. Well, the Bible says the whole earth is full of God's glory. If we're finite beings limited to these finite bodies, but we have this experience with when in our domain, 
we can collect information, we can transfer information, we can kind of be everywhere at once. Just scale that up. Is it possible there's a God who's not limited the same we are, way we are, who's able to go throughout his entire domain, which is everywhere, and speak to it and interact to it, and he's not limited. He doesn't have to be at one place at one time. Could that also be possible? Here's how all this relates to hearing God. If you're not already there, consider this quote. Bill Hybel says this. There's a frequency. There's a frequency that your life was designed to be tuned into, and that frequency is the unique voice of God. Once you learn to hear it, and you can get better at picking it out, you will find that your craving for it intensifies as your soul strains to hear more from him. It's interesting that God would use the metaphor of the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. And although God can go beyond our bodies, the, the people who believe in him, there's something special about those who are tuning in to the voice of God, and he can speak to us, and he can... He can help us, even as we desire for our own bodies, to be, live in a more life-giving way. A more satisfying way, a deeply satisfying way. God desires to guide us and direct us in these life-giving ways. Now, he could have made us one of those Stepford Brides. That's an old movie, Stepford Brides. He could have done that where you have no choice other than to serve the way you were, you were programmed to serve. God could have done that. He didn't. We can make real choices. We've been given the capacity to make real choices. And when it comes to responding to what God says, we can listen and respond, or we can ignore and reject. Which is a rabbit trail we have to follow for just a minute here. We'll get back to our main point, but we have to follow this for just a minute. If it's true that we can respond to or reject God's word, you might start thinking, well, God's word isn't that powerful then. If God's word is something that we can choose whether or not to respond to, then, then, then how much power does it have? Well, it's not that cut and dry. In fact, here's one of the things that it says. I mean, this is repeated in Scripture all over the place. But here's Psalm 33.8 or 33.6 says this. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the hosts by the breath of his mouth. If God wants something to happen, it'll happen. As long as if it's in tune with his character, if God wants it to happen, it'll happen. Just as if you want, most of us anyway, if you want your right hand to go up, it'll go up by your command, by your word. It's your domain, and if, if it's working, functioning the right way, nothing's broken down, then you say to your right hand, right hand, go up, and it happens. So, okay, God can do that. But he usually takes his words and he allows us to receive or reject their power, and they are powerful Words are powerful. The person who hears God's voice is operating from the very foundation and framework of all reality. Think about this. Just as people, as finite people, think about the power of our words. Our words have spiritual power. We can literally give people a piece of our mind. We literally can do that by, by our words. We can give people a piece of our mind. Our words can hurt. Our words can heal. With our words, we can build up. With our words, we can tear down. With our words, we can provide hope. With our words, we can take hope away. That is spiritual power. It is not mechanical material substance. It is rather the spiritual power embedded in these words that we have as finite people. Once again, Scale that up. If we have so much power in our words as finite beings, God, who is infinite then, has infinite power in his words. 
infinite power in his words. Dallas Willard is right on when he says, God created, God rules, and God redeems through his word. Now, where we really see this is in Jesus, who was the word made flesh. When the word was made flesh and when it, it communicated with God's authority, storms were calmed. The sick were healed. Demonic oppression was cast out. Sins were forgiven. Addictions were broken. Even the dead are raised. All this is possible with the powerful word of God. That was amenable. In case you needed a cue. It was amenable. God's word is powerful. Powerful. What if God's word could be spoken to us and through us? What difference could that make in your life? If that began to happen with clarity, with regularity. If God would speak to you and speak through you. That's why we're going to spend the next three weeks pressing into this. And here's where we're going to really focus in on. This, this idea of those who have ears to hear can still discern his voice. I'd encourage you to write that down. All who have ears to hear can still discern his voice. There might be periods where, where God is silent on purpose. But for those who have ears to hear, you can discern God's voice. Now, this is coming from me, and most of you didn't know me growing up. I, I'm not, or did, don't you know me now, I'm not a mystic. I have to be reminded often, oh, let's pray about this. Instead of let's just go, let's just do it, you know? I, I take my marching orders, you know, from God. I'm like, oh, let's just go do it. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Let's listen. Let's hear from him. I have to be reminded of that. I, mean, I don't have a naturally mystic disposition. I also wasn't raised in, in where this was something people talked about. I never remember in my childhood encountering people who claimed to hear from God. Not in church, not anywhere. I was a country kid. Little country church. We didn't talk about these things. So this is not coming from somebody, oh, this is just the way I was raised here. Let me pass along these things. This was discovered. This was discovered to be true as my faith became my own and as, as I pressed into it. And I'm not going to claim to be any kind of expert. In fact, one of the reasons I'm excited for this series is it's so good to, for me to dig deeper into this and to be reminded of this and to grow into this. But I look back, even in my life, and I look at how God, he's spoken. He's always speaking, and he's speaking in these different ways. I think of the scriptures. I think of my, the scriptures as a teenager. I came to a personal faith as a teenager. And I think about how God used his written word to keep me from a lot of things that I would have chosen were it not for what the Bible said. There's a whole lot of things I wanted to do, a whole lot of my things my friends were doing, a whole lot of things society said was okay to do. But because God's word, written word said no, I listened and I'm so glad. I think about how God didn't just use his written word. I think about how God spoke. I've talked so many times before about a mentor of mine named Roger Twido and something that he said to me that was from God. God used human lips to say something to me that changed the course of my life. So God used a written word. God uses the words spoken through mentors. God uses miraculous signs still today. When, when I was wrestling deeply with wanting to be married, but saying, wait a minute, what about that passage that says it's better to serve God, you know, to be single? You know, how does that all work? God gave me a miraculous sign in a park. God still uses miraculous signs. I think about this church. This church, when I look at it, ultimately was really about opening closed doors. The founding of this church was really about God opening certain doors, 
closing other doors. God speaks through that. And, and, and frequently, God speaks through these internal impressions. In fact, that's how we ended up at the community center. God told us that this opening was opening before we heard it, before we saw it, before it was advertised. God told us that this was going to become available. In fact, he told us just as it was coming available. Does God speak today? Yes, he does. Here's what Jesus, how Jesus frames it. In John 10, starting with verse 3, it says this. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. For they know his voice. A stranger they're not going to follow, but they're going to flee from that stranger. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and what does it say? My own know me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Who created sheep? God. Do you think he understands sheep? He understands sheep. Does God understand that sheep don't recognize instantly a shepherd's voice, but that it takes time and they have to learn it? Yes. And one of the things we're going to see over the next couple weeks is hearing God isn't always as mystical as people present it. There are specific things we can do that help us to begin to tune in the frequency of God. There are other things we can do that help us to, to know right away this is not from God. We're going to press into these things. It's, it's going to be a fun, I hope it's going to be a fun and helpful next couple weeks. We're going to unpack this phrase, ears to hear, and what it means to, to, to be able to, to come to a place where we can hear God guiding us as a shepherd guides his sheep. Now, if you want to really dive into this, I recommend a couple books. There's a lot more books than here, but here are three that I've been reading to prepare for the service in addition to the, the scriptures. Um, this one's by a guy, Bill Hybels. Uh, really look up to him in so many ways. He has a book called The Power of a Whisper. These are all in your notes. Uh, this one is great for those of you who are activists. For those of you who are like, okay, I want to hear God so that I can make a difference. Because this book is really about how do you discern those whispers where God is saying something to you that could make a huge difference in your life or could actually change the course of a nation. This is a great book for that. For those of you who have more of a intellectual, theological, philosophical bent. Hearing God by Dallas Willard is an exceptional book. Dallas digs into the framework, the philosophy, the, the theological constructs behind hearing God. And then he does it in a real practical way. This is a great book. Um, this one is called Listening Prayer by Leanne Payne. I'm only 50 pages in. It's been on my shelf for more than 10 years. Uh, but someone recommended it. came very highly recommended. And so far as I'm getting into it, I, I see why they like it. Um, it. It appears to be best suited for someone who is fairly mature in their faith and who would love to be able to have a relationship with God where it's them and God sitting on a sofa with a cozy blanket and a cup of coffee and you're, you're having this intimate communion with God. I'm only 50 pages in. Maybe it changes. But so far, that's my impression of, of, the, of the book. Um, so there's different types of resources out there for different types of folks. But I encourage you to look at those. I also want to highly recommend these retreats we have coming up. This is not me giving a commercial. This is me saying, here are some resources. We usually lose money on almost everything we do. Um, and so it's not like we're, we're gaining money by doing this, in case you're wondering about my motives. This is, these are great opportunities. Uh, Mary has taken a group up to uh, Adventurous Christians Retreat Center up in northern Minnesota, up by the Boundary Waters. And she sent me an email, I think it was this week, where she said, 
just so you know, we're going to be talking about centering prayer. So if you want to be able to take this and go deeper and, and really engage people and have time to talk about your experience and, and flesh this out, what a great opportunity for that. The fellas are going up to uh, Covenant Pines. And what a great way to just get unplugged from everything else and, and to study. And they're going to be looking at the, the story of Samson. Now, if you have never read the account of Samson, but you just heard the Sunday school version, that's the G-rated version. There is this whole Samson uncensored piece where there is a lot of stuff going on. And every guy, every man is going to be able to relate to some of these things. And if you want to hear from God, what a great opportunity. Teenagers, you heard about the retreat. What a great opportunity to come and, and to hear from God. Uh, we have a Women of Faith conference that they're, go excuse me, they're going to again. There's all these great opportunities. Don't just let this be the only place where you're diving in. Because here's what it says, Proverbs 2, 3 through 5. And Jill, would you come forward while we're, while we're wrapping this up? Here's what it says. Look, it's Proverbs 2, 3 through 5. Here's, here's an invitation if you cry out for insight, if you raise your voice to understanding, and if you don't stop there. So many people, and myself, we, we're guilty of the American mindset of I want it, and I want it now, and I want it my way. So God, if you're real, then speak to me right now. You didn't speak to me, you must not be real. There's no hope for a person like that. But if you, here's the invitation. The invitation is not... Be, make your demands of me. The, the invitation is, if you seek it like silver, if you search for it like hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and you will find knowledge of God. God wants nothing more than to communicate with you and reveal truth. So let's seek it. Let's seek it. Let's spend these four weeks pressing in, no matter how far along you are, let's go deeper. If you're just starting out, um, on the back of your bulletin, I've got, a, I've got a little exercise that you could try, a real simple exercise that I would encourage you to consider. If you've been walking with God and you're stalled out, great time to try something different. If, if you're wanting to press deeper, great time. To say, okay, now I'm going I'm to do this. So as we close the service, what I want to do today is to take just one minute. And I'm going to step down. We'll just have music playing. And I'd like you to write one step down that you're going to take. A concrete one, not just I'm going to try harder. Blah, blah. You know, what, what, what's one thing that you're going to do differently so that you can begin seeking God and learning to hear his voice? It might be, I don't have a clue what this is. I'm going to talk to somebody and get, get something to write down. It could be, all right, I've been meaning this a long time. Write one thing down. Write it down. This is an awesome invitation. Awesome invitation. So just let me pray and I'm going to step away. Father, what an awesome invitation. That if we seek you, you will welcome this conversation. So Lord, we pray right now that you will speak to us. Give us a specific step, each one of us, that we could take. Put some kind of impression in our heart or mind or, or take what we've been experiencing and now say, oh, this is why. So that we can make a commitment right now, right here, to start walking this out. That we may hear from you.
Just we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.